We've been talking about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks. We learned that the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. He's the promise that Jesus said would come, that the Holy Spirit is the power that Jesus walked in, that he said that we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The Holy Spirit brings gifts. Um, We talked about power, boldness, that he helps us, teaches us, reminds us, guides us. And we begin going through what's typically classified as the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 4 through 11. Um, But in this, I wanted to kind of define these gifts really simply for you. The gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are when the Holy Spirit, the helper, is helping you go beyond your own strength to see God's will accomplished. So a very simple, um, God empowering you to go beyond your own abilities. Um, We've talked about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Tonight, or this morning, we'll talk about the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith. Next week, we'll get into the working of miracles, gifts of healing, and we talked about prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues already. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 lets us know, it says, seek the best, or earnestly desire the best gifts. And we learned that the best gift is the one that you need right now. It's not that one gift is all supreme. It's not that one tool is the best tool in the universe, that everyone needs a hammer, or everyone needs a screwdriver, or everyone needs a drill. Um, they're all great tools. Depends what job you're needing. If you want to cut something apart, a hammer is horrible. I tried to cut a wall down once with a hammer. It was a lot of work. Um, it's much better to have a sawzaw or a chainsaw. Chainsaws are awesome. But it just depends on what the job is. Chainsaws are horrible at putting in screws. It just depends what job you need. When you need healing, you don't want someone to come with a gift of wisdom. You're like, good for you. I want someone with a gift of healing. When you need direction and you're all healthy, you're like, good for you. You have a gift of healing. I need direction. I need insight on the future. I need to know God's best for my situation. Um, so as we, we learn these, we learn that these gifts are to serve one another. Um, and this morning, I want to start with talking about distinguishing between spirits. It's a gift that you don't hear a lot about. You're like, the gift of discerning between spirits. You're like, what? is that? Is this like that one's Casper, that one's not? Like, what are they talking about? Um, Acts chapter 22, verse 17, we actually see it in action. Kenneth Hagin did a really good job of simplifying this um, in his book, The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. If you have questions about the Holy Spirit or any of the gifts, this is a great, great resource available in the bookstore. Um, But he, he said this, being able to see into the spirit world, Boom. Like, that's a very simple definition. Being able to see into the spirit world. So in Acts 22, he, he's speaking. He says, When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. He goes, He looked into the spirit world and saw the Lord. This would be seeing into the supernatural. This would be the gift of the discerning of spirits at work. Um, and you'll see different spots throughout the Bible where they saw an angel and as, as God opened their eyes to things. But one of the things to, to recognize is that um, the discerning of spirits is often an opening your eyes to a, what's there but many can't see. Um, in 2 Kings chapter 6, 
6. Um, verse 16 to 18, there's a, it covers a little bit of a story of Elisha. Elisha has been prophesying and God is using him and in his using him, he made an enemy of a foreign king that God was using him to stop. And so this king is like, how, is, how are they knowing what I'm planning? How, is, how are they avoiding these attacks? And they're like, well, it's Elisha. God tells him what you say in your bedroom. And he tells the king, you know, hey, this is where the trap's set. And so he's like, I'm going to kill Elisha. This is it. And so he surrounds the city with his army, or he sends his army to go surround the city and to kill this one man because God was using him. And Elisha's servant gets up in the morning and goes out to, I don't know if to get water, go to the bathroom, whatever. He goes outside and he looks around and sees the entire city surrounded. And he's like, oh no, this ain't good. This ain't good. Elisha! And Elisha's like, what's up? And he's like, we're in trouble. There's an army and they're here for you. What are we going to do? And Elisha's like, oh, whatever. And he just looks at him and he's like, do not be afraid. This is verse 16. Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And at this point, I can just picture this conversation. You have two guys standing here in the middle of the city and like nobody's really for you or against you. And then you have an entire army around the city. And he looks at, there are more with us than with them. And I can just see his servant going, what are you talking about? Who is with us? There is an army against us. But Elisha follows it with this prayer. Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And then he prays and the whole enemy army goes blind. It's pretty epic. Um, and the story goes on. There's cool, fun details. Read it yourself. But this is what I felt, thought was interesting. When the army came against them, Elisha didn't pray, Oh God, send help. God, we need your help. That's what the servant was looking for. The servant was looking for, What are we going to do? We need help. What Elisha prayed was, open his eyes. When he opened his eyes, did that change what was out there? No. If you close your eyes, does it change the, the room? When you open them, do you see more? Did it just appear because you opened your eyes? Only if you're two. That's why peekaboo is so much fun for a two-year-old. Because you totally disappear and then you reappear. Because they don't understand the whole concept that when you close your eyes and you don't see something, that it's still there. Well, he closed his eyes. When he opened his eyes, he saw what was there the whole time. The distinguishing of spirits is when you begin to see what was there the whole time that you may not have been able to see before. Anyone ever talk to somebody who's colorblind? Have you ever wondered what they see? Like, you have conversations, and I, I remember having a conversation with somebody, and you're sitting there, and you're like, well, what do you see? And he's like, well, red and green look the same. What do they look like? I don't know, they look the same. <laughs> like, what, what, do you just see red? Or do you just see green? He's like, I don't know. They look the same. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> and I'm having this conversation with him, and, and, and it got me thinking, you're like, 
What if you tell him, you know, hey, go grab the red one? And he's going to look at you and go, which one's the red one? It's red and green. Hello, it's Christmas. He's like, it's bland. It looks the same. You're like, weird. Sometimes my wife makes me feel colorblind, spiritually. Not that she walks around, and, and yes, girls have more colors than guys. Guys have like, it's red, it's green, it's blue, it's black, score. She's like, and then they, they, I can't even think of like chartreuse, like char, char what? What's her name? No, chartreuse, it's a color. It's a, it's a color. What color is it? Chartreuse. No, that's not a color. That's a, anyways. So yes, there are those fun conversations that the girls make you feel like you're colorblind because they name colors that don't exist. But that's okay. We love you anyways. Uh, but in life, she heavily operates in a discerning of spirits. And so she'll look at somebody and she'll see things that normal people don't see. She'll look at somebody and she'll see their heart and she'll see spirits on them. And you're like, what? She's like, you know, they, you know they, were, they were dealing with this. And you're like, how do you know they were dealing with that? Well, like, you could see it. And I feel like the, the colorblind person going, you could see what? And you're like, they're the same. And she's like, no, it's different. You picked the red one. You're like, which one's the red one? And like, it's kind of like how I felt inside. Like, what are you talking about? And it's like all the time. I remember there was this pastor that came that, that was doing awesome things. His church was doing well. And, and, and he came to speak. And my wife's like, Ugh. I'm like, what? Ugh. I mean, this guy's doing awesome. I'm not even Bob. I'm like, Bob's doing great. And she's like, no, Bob's got some problems. I'm like, what are you talking about? Bob's not doing so good. Like, what, what? She's like, I just, ugh, I feel it. I'm like, what do you, what do you see? I, 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 this, it's wrong. You just wait and see. What are you talking about? It looks fine. Six months later, you find out he'd just like totally blown his life apart in the inconsistency between what he was hiding and what everyone else had saw finally hit the, the surface and just exploded. Six months ahead of time, she looked at him and you're like, it's one thing, like I understand and I'm pretty good at hearing people speak and go, what comes out of your mouth comes from the overflow of your heart. And if I can get what's overflowing from your heart, I can find out what's going on inside. But she just looks at him and it's like, hi. And she's like, whoa, this is what's going on. You're like, How do you do that? And you're like, red, green, it's all the same. She's like, no, this is what's happening here. This is happening. I'm like, sure. Awesome. Can you like be my guide and walk me through, you know, what's going on here? Like interviews come in and I've actually had her come into interviews and, and ask her, you know, like, what do you see? Because I look at them, I'm like, they're breathing. I see that. Cool. It's a guy. It's a girl. I can see that right away. But she'll get it. Oh, this is what's going on. This is the, that's cool. It's just not fair. I don't see it. But like, to understand this is a great, this is a gift of the Spirit. Um, and in it, she, as I was joking about with her before service, before the first service, I was, I was joking. I was like, you know, this is an awesome gift. Too bad you didn't have it when you were dating people before we dated. And, uh, <laughs> and she, she actually responded. She goes, I did. I just didn't trust myself. She was like, there, there was stuff. And, and they had the right answers to questions, but, and so I just was like, well, I know I don't feel right, but, and made excuses for them. And I looked and go, well, as you're learning, 
to recognize the voice of God, recognize yourself, recognize what's pizza, recognize what's God and what's jealousy, um, recognize what's God and what's, um, you just have a bad attitude because you need to eat something, whatever. The, the case may be for your funk at the moment. Learning to recognize it and go, I'm not going to walk around and go tell everybody, you know what? They give me the eebie You just stay away from them. Like, don't go spread, make everybody hate them. Why, do they, why does everyone not like you? Well, I had a bad feeling. It might have been yesterday's pizza that left out for a week, but it might be that you're, no. Don't go just spreading things, but if you feel like, I just don't feel right, don't date them. Here, this is free. If they're not worth marrying, if you don't want to marry them, don't date them. If you don't want to marry them and you're dating them, break up with them. If you already know, I don't want to spend forever with someone like them, they're too fill in the blank with anything you want. If, they're not, they're, they're, if you're dating somebody that's not what you want to marry, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. You're either going to hurt them hurt yourself, or end up in a lifetime of regret. And that's an entire message that I don't have time to preach right now, but someone apparently needed to hear that. That's a freebie. So, <laughs> back to the message. Um, the, the, this gift, it, there, is, there is a process of learning to recognize what's God and what's your flesh, but... Um, it is an amazing gift as God speaks and directs through it. I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about the gift of faith, but in order to talk about the gift of faith, we must first understand a little bit about faith itself. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I will... I've used this as the Bible definition of faith, and I've had people look at me and go, what does that mean? So I will simplify this even further. Faith is the belief in a promise that allows you to act before you receive. Any of you guys shop online? The rest of you, you could save a lot of money. Online is shopping is awesome. A, you can check stores all over the place while sitting on your couch. But what's, what's cool is I can shop and find the best deal around the world, not just go to Myers and go to Target and compare prices. I can go and I can check Lowe's and Home Depot and Menards before I leave the house. I can go and check around the world um, with my wedding ring. I discovered that it was 200 bucks at the jewelry store for a men's tungsten um, wedding band. I got mine online for 22 bucks. You're like, that's nice. And this is great, but when you want to buy something online, there's, there's this process that has to happen. You guys, most of you understand. Um, some of you guys have never shopped online. It's okay, your day will come. But in the process, you shop, you find, you decide that you want. Okay, so you're like, all right, cool. There's a ring, I want this ring. How much do they want? They want $22.95. Great. Now, the ring is not going to show up, just randomly show up in the mail. You're like, why? Well, they want you to pay them. 
When you click, I want it, they're going to go, great, pay me. But you haven't sent me anything yet because you haven't paid me anything yet. Yeah, but I don't want to pay you if you're not going to give me anything. Yeah, You have to pay us if you want something. And you guys understand that, that they won't send you anything until you pay them for it. And then when, they, when you pay them, then they send it. Now, once you pay them, do you have the item? No. Then why'd you give them money? Faith. See, it's a simple faith because faith is always based on a promise. We have Bible faith based on Bible promises, but even just in the natural, you have faith based on promises. So they promise that if you send them the $22.95, that they will in turn send you the ring or the phone case, the screen cover, the whatever it is that you happen to be ordering. I order so many things online, it's crazy. But at the, the end of it, you look at it and you go, okay, so I have to act based on the promise before I receive the promise. When I do, it's not uncommon to say something like, yeah, I bought tire chains for my mower. Would you have them yet? No, but I bought them. Where are they? Um, I'd actually have to pull up my uh, account and hit the tracking number if you want an exact location, but they're coming because I had a solid promise and the promiser had a high recommendation rate courtesy of Amazon. Therefore, I trust the promise and happily handed over the money and will receive the item shortly. A lot of times as Christians, we understand this and happily shop online and then we don't understand it when the Bible says, pray for them and they will be healed. And it says that the things that we receive from God we receive by faith. We go, well, I prayed and I haven't received it yet. I ordered it and it hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So based on this promise, I have, I have something even before it arrives. Um, the promise is, the faith can only be as, as strong, as solid as the promise it's based on. If you're on eBay, if someone has an 80% complaint rate, you don't order from them unless it's only a dollar. You're like, well, if they steal my dollar, whoop de doo Like, the, you look at the rating. You look at the rating of the promiser. And you go, what kind of feedback do they have? And you base your faith on that promise. Faith, why do we need it? Faith is... Uh, This is the word, the channel, the avenue, the bridge that all of God's blessings come across. Anyone ever vacuum? Anyone ever never vacuum? Oh, I was going to give someone a life experience. They could come over. All right, but if, uh, if you vacuum, if you have a normal vacuum, you're going to take it to the middle of the room. You're going to take it somewhere in the room and you're going to go to start it. Just turn it on. And if you don't plug it in, Nothing happens. You get over there and you're like, click, 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 or whatever your 
on button is, and nothing happens and it's annoying. And you go and you plug it in, or when you vacuum too far and you unplug the vacuum while you're vacuuming, that's annoying too. It happens to me way too often. Anyway, so you're vacuuming. Why do I have to plug it in? Does the vacuum work? Well, yeah, the vacuum works. Then why do I have to plug it in? Well, in order for the vacuum to work, I have to connect it to the power that's available in the wall. This cord connects the power source to the vacuum. Faith is the cord that connects us to God, that connects us to his power. So when God says, I have power for you, it's available at the outlet, the way that we receive that power is by faith that we plug in. We go, well, this is the promise that God gave, and by that, I can plug in and receive what God has for me. Um, and you can look at that with the woman with the issue of blood. You can look at it in a lot of places, but um, how do I get the faith? How do I grow in faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He says, if you want to have faith, you must first have a promise. In order to have faith, you must get to know the promiser and the promise. Because the more you know the promiser, the more that you can rely upon the promise. The more that you have a promise, the more that you can have Because if you don't have a promise... What do you have? Hope. How secure is hope? Not at all. How many people hope to win the lotto? Lots of them. What assurance do they have? None. What's their hope based on? One of two things. Either I want money or I need money. And so they, they base their hope on one of these desires, and it means nothing. But faith is based on a promise. And based on the promise... So we get the faith by getting to know the promise and the promiser. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, if I have faith already, all of you who have a relationship with Jesus have faith. Because A, you haven't seen him in the flesh because you're not that old. B, um, he says that anyone who comes to him must come by faith. He says that for by grace you have been saved through faith. So where then is this difference between faith that we all have and the gift of faith that he's talking about. Um, I like the way that Wiggle, Smith Wigglesworth said it. Smith Wigglesworth is a legend, like an actual one. He's an actual person, but he's like of legendary status. He was uh, a plumber who encountered Jesus, got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and went around speaking, praying for people, and seeing crazy miracles. Um, think he's, it's documented that he raised three people from the dead. Um, and he was famous for not just like being polite, praying. He had like this weird way that God would use him that was very abrupt. Like he'd steal your crutches and throw them and then they'd be healed. Like he would punch someone in the stomach. You're like, you've got cancer in your stomach. Really? Boom! And they're like, Whoa, I'm healed. And you're like, what? That's weird. Like, God, I'd love to be used, but I'd rather not have, like, I'd love to have, see the healings. I don't know that I want to be used quite like Wigglesworth, where, like, drop-kicked people and had them healed, grabbed somebody who was dead, threw them up against the wall, and was like, walk! And, Jesus, and then they started walking. You're like, what? That, like, what if that doesn't work? You're like, 
grab some guy at the funeral. What do you think that, how that would go over? You throw him against the wall. <gasps> like, anyways, he was famous for this. And this is what he said. As he was constantly used and operated in this gift heavily, he said, that if you will take a step of ordinary faith, when you come to the end of that faith, very often the supernatural gift of special faith will take over. One reason more folks don't see the manifestation of the special faith in operation in their lives is that they don't first use the faith that they already have. It's kind of like a turbocharger that kicks in once the engine gets going. But if you never engage the engine, it never gets going. And a lot of people go, well, I don't have much for faith. And you go, well, you haven't used what little you have. And if you want to see more, if you want to see the gift of faith in operation, it's going to start with trusting in him and stepping out in the faith that you have based on the promises clearly laid out in his word. See, faith is a gift of the Spirit to the believer in order that they might receive miracles. The gift of miracles, on the other hand, is the gift of the Spirit given to the believer that they, he may or she may work miracles. Um, faith gives peace in the midst of a storm. Jesus, he was in a lot of storms. And um, in, in amongst them, there's one, he's sleeping on the boat. And there's a storm so bad that fishermen who spent their entire lifetime fishing freak out and think they're going to die. And they come to him and they wake him up and they're like, don't you care that we're perishing as they just freak out? And he just looks at them like, what's your problem? Um, and, and it says, and he awoke, rebuked the wind and the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Because faith allows you to wait in peace because you have a promise and though everything may be crazy, you already know what's coming before it comes. You already know what you ordered. You already know what you paid for and you can begin to walk and step out in faith because you know what's coming. My brother, I, I shared, I think last week, maybe two weeks ago, I shared about my brother and his daughter who drank rust remover. Um, it's a bad idea. If you, who, I, don't know, I guess, some of you weren't here. So in a nutshell, my brother uh, felt like he should pray, didn't know what to pray for, spent the morning praying in tongues, stopped, felt like he should still pray, prayed in tongues, prayed in tongues, prayed in tongues all morning until he felt like he had a peace. He's like, I don't know what I had to pray for, but I feel like God has given the answer for whatever I'm praying for. Um, then he got a call shortly thereafter from the ER as his wife was there with his daughter um, who saw a container of rush remover on the counter and for some reason thought it was chocolate milk um, or like chocolate syrup and grabbed it and went to drink the rush remover. They rushed her to the, uh, I think the urgent care and the urgent care center and an ambulance to the hospital and were like, this is bad, this is really bad, like her tongue's going to like dissolve, her esophagus might dissolve, um, it's probably going to die, like it, not probably, but it's quite possible and we need to treat her this and, and they were just like freaking out. And so Becca, my sister-in-law, calls my brother It's like, you know, this is what's going on and, and he just goes, it's going to be okay. She's like, what? He's like, I've been praying and 
I've been praying in tongues all morning, didn't know what I was praying for. Now I know what I've been praying for. I have peace. It's going to be okay. And he shows up and doctors are freaking out and doctors, it's part of their job, I guess, to be professional doomsday people. And because too many people sue in America, they always are doomsday, worst case scenarios and push for it so that you can't sue them if something goes wrong. But they're just like, she's going to die. Her tongue's going to dissolve. Even if she's got a little bit on her tongue, her tongue's going to like, it's going to like burn through her tongue and this is going to happen and this is gonna, it's going to be awful. And he's like, no, this is going to be okay. Afraid, we got peace. We're going to go home. You're not going to go home. Like we need to watch her and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and we're going we're to be fine. We're going to go home and I think we're going to give her Tums. Like not Tums. It was something weird, something that he's like, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, That's weird. Goes home. The next day, Poison control called them, which is kind of weird. Normally you call poison control. Um, I think they called poison control before they'd gone to the ER. And they're the ones who were like, get her to the ER! And uh, had freaked out in the first place. They called and they're like, well, how is she doing? Is her tongue this color? Is it this color? Is this happening? Is she screaming in pain? Is this? And no, what's she doing? Uh, She's just running around chasing her sister. And she was completely fine. Well, how do you have peace in a situation where everything around you is chaos, where everyone around you is looking going, your life looks like it's about to fall apart. Everything around you is falling apart. You should be freaking out. And they're like, no, why not? Because I've already received, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Though you may not see the other side of the storm, I already know what's on the other side of the storm and I'm gonna get there soon enough. And it's this peace that then begins to to fill us and allow us to step out in great ways. Um, Smith Wigglesworth, in that, uh, one of the guys he raised from the dead was Mr. Mitchell. He said he came in and his wife was there. He'd heard the screaming, comes in and she's like, don't, don't you see he's dead? But I continued praying. I got as far as I could with my own faith and then God laid hold of me. And oh, such a laying a hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart and I shouted, he lives, he lives, he lives. And he is living today. That's crazy. You gotta have a serious peace if you're gonna start yelling that someone who is dead is alive. Otherwise you're gonna have a really ticked family. Come, He lives, he's dead. Like so, it, it, this peace that walks them through a storm, this faith that allows you to act before things have been seen because it connects the now to the promise and brings the promise that's yet to be delivered into the present of the moment. And we're going to get into a gift of healing and the working of miracles next week. But I want to give you guys a chance to step out today. Um, we're not going to do the full shuffle, but I am going to have you move around a little bit. If you're all alone, go find somebody. Um, I want you guys in twos. We're going to pray for the person next to you. So, but this is in, in, very, very simple. God wants to use you and he wants to use you not just in the ground floor, but elsewhere. And this is probably the easiest place to have a go. 
this is the easiest place to take a swing. Because the person you're about to ask if you can pray for them just heard me tell you that you have to ask them. So like, it helps remove some of the awkwardness. And for a lot of you, you're like, it's still awkward. You want me to pray for somebody? I know. That's why I'm having you pray for somebody because it's awkward. And if you can't do it here, you're not going to do it at school. So this is like practice round. This is like easy setup for you to pray for somebody. The band's going to begin to play softly, and I'm just going to ask you to turn to this, the person next to you. If you don't know their name yet, introduce yourself. Um, it's the politer way to start. And then ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? Take turns and pray for each other, whether it's for healing, wisdom, direction, provision, whatever it is that they need. Go ahead, turn to them now. All right. I want to pause you guys for just a minute. But for a lot of you, that was awkward. It's okay. That's the point. The first time you do much of anything, it's awkward. I've got little kids learning to walk was awkward. We don't think about how easy it is now. It's like, look, you just like put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, but when you little kid, they put one foot in front of the other and then they put the face next. Um, And it's a process. It's it's learning and it's getting comfortable with it. We're doing this here to help you get comfortable so that at school, so that in your home, your neighborhood, your job, your sports, wherever it may be that you're comfortable going, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, I saw that you, you know, rolled your ankle throughout your arm. I saw that you dropped that box in your head. Hey, I watched that thing fall and hit your foot. I watched, hey, you're crying. What's up? Hey, you just look like you're out of it. Yeah, you're not feeling well. Whatever it may be that you can step up and go, you know what? Hey, I've got the confidence to ask and to pray because it's my job to pray and it's God's job to heal. It's my job to pray. God's the one who's got to answer with direction, with clarity, with whatever it is that they need. And it's one thing when, you're, when it's awkward because you're like, you know what, I don't pray in front of people very often, but there's enough people in here, I bet it's awkward for some because they're like, well, I don't know God or I've rejected God. You know, I knew what God had to say and I knew what I wanted to do and so I rejected God because I wanted to do something. And that does make it awkward. When you're like, hey God, that I rejected, still up there. God, if you're real, they have a headache. And it's awkward if you don't know God. But God wants to know you. Being a Christian is not just about getting out of hell when you die. God wants to be a part of your life and be in a relationship with you today. And if you're here and say, you know, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know God. Or maybe I've rejected God so that I could do my own thing. And today, I want to give my life to God. I want to know him. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God in heaven. I want to have a relationship with him and live for him. I want to give you a chance to declare Jesus to be your Lord today. He says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. So we're going to call on him. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and say, I need to do that. I want to make God my Lord. I want to live for him. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, get ready. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. And I see your hand. Who else says that's me? Awesome. You can put your hands down. The Bible says that 
he, he invites us to call on his name, to declare him to be Lord. So that's what we're going to do. So if you've done this before, go ahead and join us. If you just raised your hand, go ahead and join me. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for loving me, for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.